Extra Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tavat, a Genshin lore podcast. Last week, we discussed the moon princesses slash sisters, and we still haven't decided just what to call them yet. Last time I checked the poll on our episode on Spotify, it seemed like it was tied, so the community at large still also seems pretty split up. This week, however, we'll be talking about the golden children of the Genshin siblings, the Kamisato family. Additionally, I want to remind travelers to visit TalesofTavat.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. On our site, you can also find some awesome goodies, including artist spotlights from the community for each episode, wallpapers for download, and a way to check out some of our favorite Genshin merch. Finally, feel free to email us at talesofdevotpod at gmail.com to let us know what you think of this week's episode and what topics you would like to see. I know we had someone reach out about having a Kamisato episode, so we hope you're uh, as excited as we are to be doing this one. With that being said, let's jump into it. So we start with birth. You know, Ayato <laughs> was born on X XYZ, no. <laughs> I mean, it's before that, technically. We got to get to the <laughs> several generations before that, though. We have to go all the way back to the time of Niwa, RIP. Actually, right. not far off from the truth. But yeah, so for those of you who don't know, in the world of Inazuma, or I should say in the country of Inazuma, the nation of Inazuma, I guess. I think nation. Nation. Nationwide is on, on your, your side. side. <laughs> <laughs> so in the nation of Inazuma, we have the Kamisato clan, which is a family. And currently there are only two people left in that family. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Why are we laughing at that? That's terrible. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. Of the bloodline, there are two left, but of the family, there are... They've adopted some, but we'll get into that. Quite a few. They both married one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. They have both have wedded, depending on what you think about what sock. Yeah. House husband. But wet socks aside for now <laughs> we have the older brother ayato and younger sister ayaka and from my understanding ayaka was involved in a lot of the beta testing for the game really i didn't know that oh god i hope i didn't just make that up was she oh really <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just going to point out that I'm not the one lying this time. Oh. Ayaka was a featured character in the early closed beta of Genshin Impact prior to the game's full release. No wonder she's such a main. Mm-hmm. Wow, go Ayaka. She is one of your mains. Mm. <laughs> And I think it's interesting that she was in beta, but her brother wasn't, especially because her brother seems to be like the quote unquote more important of the two. <laughs> How dare you? We don't know that for sure. I feel like Ayato is far more endgame in the sense of when we'll talk further on this, but Ayaka is so like intertwined with what's happening currently in Inazuma. It makes sense that she was first, even though like she's younger, but like also pretty what exactly does endgame mean like everyone's always talking about endgame content and stuff and i kind of get that a little bit but what does it mean for like a character to be endgame i feel like when it comes to and this is this is just me interpreting and it absolutely could always be bullshit but <laughs> to me to for a character to be endgame it's that their importance isn't known until the very late stage of the game either being in shneznaya or further on ah uh, so nat is is endgame. Got it. <laughs> 
Yes, Nat has always been endgame. In fact, she is the only game. <laughs> yes, I love that. Here for it. <laughs> Great. Okay, I was just curious. So I was thinking we could start off by talking a little bit about what we know right off the bat about each sibling. And Ayaka is the first one we meet. So I think ladies first, I'm going to give her the first swing. So Ayaka is really the first person we meet in terms of diplomacy, diplomacy in in Azuma. You know, we do meet Toma first, who is basically like, depending on who you are, Mm -hmm. her brother, her brother-in-law or her husband. Really, there's a lot of ways it could go. (laughs) BFF. (laughs) Yeah. How is that BFF? No matter what, it's definitely her BFF because she had no friends growing up, (laughs) which is sad. So, like, is she really flirting with us when she does that wet sock dance? Or is that just her being like, I don't know what friendships are? That was a date. That was romance. Oh, she took us on a date. date. There is no doubt about it. She she mm-hmm. got her socks that was wet for us. Pure romance. If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, during that whole story when we meet Ayaka and she takes us to the vendors and we have food and stuff and she takes us to the forest and she does the dance for us. She gets into the river to dance, but she's got her socks on. That is so rude. Y'all are so culturally insensitive. (laughs) And she's already got like toe wedgie going on anyway. So now she's got... I don't know why that grossed me out even more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I know wet socks freak a lot of people out. <laughs> now she's got wet sock toe wedgie going on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just don't like feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the wet socks. I mean, it's just uncomfortable. Like, you ever step on an ice cube with a sock and now someone's gonna finna die? Finna die. I hope someone remembers that vine. I hope. <laughs> Baby, can this be our hole this week? <laughs> How do you feel about wet socks? How do you feel about wet socks? Wet socks? I feel horrible about wet socks. I feel terrible about this poll, but yes, if you want to take the poll, it would be on our stories and on Twitter and in Spotify. <laughs> it's a metaphor, you guys, because, you know, she got wet. <laughs> just wet, wet socks. Oh, well, okay. She just made a 10 times worse now. Because she got wet. It's a metaphor for wet pussy. Something that's normally come, dry yeah, got come wet. Come on, Tiff. Even I got that what? one. What is that? wet. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. It's supposed to be normally dry. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to take it back. All right. So wet socks aside, we first meet Ayaka and she's like, Ayo, my name is Ayaka. Bruh, nice to meet you. Let's end the vision hunt decree. She totally was like, let's absolutely commit to reason. Yeah. And we really start learning a lot about the Tri-Commission. I think it sort of starts solidifying more as to like the different roles that each commission plays. And obviously the Kamisatos are the heads of the Yashiro Commission, which is actually, I'll let Tiff get into that, uh, what the commissions are. It's really like an interesting kind of subtle intro to the Yashiro Commission. And then we we learn sort of more about the norms and like the, the culture going on in Inazuma through Ayaka. Yes, please explain. Because what the fuck is this? <laughs> so just to have that little bit of a little 
history into the the commissions and stuff. There's a track commission in Inazuma that kind of is the shogunate's, you know, band out to the people. So there's three different commissions and they are the Tenryo, the Kanju, and the Yashiro. So each is run by a family. Yashiro is the Kamisatos. The Tenryo is the Kujo and the Kanju is the Hiragi. So each commission kind of has its own thing that they do in the government in this like kind of little Inazuma little thing. Yashiro is in charge of the shrines and the festivals and the cultural affairs and stuff like that. Kanju does finance and borders and customs. Tenryo is the security and military. They were in charge. They were in charge of actually enforcing the Vision Hunter crew. So, but like Yashiro, it makes sense that they're a little bit in charge more of these shrines and festivals and stuff because that's actually something we see Ayaka do the most. It's almost became her job in the commission is kind of being the face of all of these beautiful things in that go on in Inazuma. Right. Ayaka, you know, was originally like a very fun and playful younger girl. And then their parents died. She really wanted to take on a role in the clan at that point and wanted to step up. And she's very much known to kind of deal with the external community. She's like the face of the clan almost, while Ayato is in the shadows. Yeah, he kind of comes off as like, he just doesn't want to be the face of it. But I think there's more sussy reasons why he's like, yeah, let's just stay back here. Let's let's put Ayaka up there. You know, and part of it being like, you know, it's the little sister he can kind of control and watch and make sure what she's doing. But I also think that there's like a lot of thought behind why he kind of stays in the shadows, why he doesn't want people to really see him that often. As he says. Right. It's easy to put his sister up as like a figurehead, especially considering how breathtakingly beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. And that oh, sort of turns her into like a pop star in a way within Inazuma. She's almost like a Jackie O type of figure where, you know, a lot of people in Inazuma are like obsessed with, you know, what she's wearing, what she's doing, who mm. she's talking to like who she's hanging out with what businesses she's going to and it's easy for Ayato to have her as like the figurehead of the family and of the Yashiro commission because that allows him to do all of these sort of like you know behind closed doors like all these sort of shady deals and all these uh, manipulations that he's doing in order to you know a protect the interests of his family the yashiro commission and to sort of rebuild their reputation which we'll get into later but uh b to just also sort of protect the nation from itself and from the other commissions and i was gonna say if anyone's confused by the tri-commission to me personally the easiest way for me to sort of keep them straight in my mind is that obviously the Yashiro Commission is the Kamisatos and that's culture. And then the Tenryo Commission, which is run by the Kujo clan, that's basically the military or police. So that's like Kujo Sara. We all remember Kujo Sara. Mm-hmm. And then the the Kanjo Commission is the borders and customs. So that's sort of the Rito area. Like when you first get into Inazuma and you're sort of trapped in that beginning area and that you're not allowed to leave until figure out how. Um, so they're sort of like the gatekeepers of the country. So that's sort of how I keep them straight in my mind. That's really smart, actually. I've never thought of it that way. I feel like we need that on a tip sheet. You got your Rito gatekeeper people, you got your culture people, and then you got the Popo. Kujo Zara <laughs> is the Popo. And, you know, and in that vein, it's kind of easy to remember, too, because we see Kujo Zara kind of being a frontline person during the main Inazuma quest when uh, Kokomi's army comes down to the beach. Um, so that's a 
a good way to remember it too. And even Haizo is part of the Tenryo Commission. He's just like mainly a detective. It's interesting too because Kujo Sarah might have the namesake, but she's adopted. That has to stop <laughs> no one in this game. No, definitely not. But a little to backtrack to Ayaka really being a face of the Kamisatos, she really fought for that too. One of the things I remember when her parents died, her mother died last, uh, she kind of was like, I need to do what any high-end woman would do, basically. She's like, I need to properly represent the family. And she decided that she was going to learn poetry and she was going to learn swordsmanship. And she still is not a fan of poetry. But (laughs) she became really skilled with a sword and she actually got her vision when she was able to defeat her older brother in a duel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get fucked, Ayato. With a single strike, too. Yes. Badass lady. It's funny because we know two siblings now who have gotten cryovisions while fighting their brother. Mm -hmm. At least one was a spar. The other one was for death. That's why Ayato and Ayaka are really like the golden siblings. (laughs) The golden children of the sibling set. But okay, so we've learned a little (laughs) bit about Ayaka and that she likes wet (laughs) socks. For the right person, she likes to get her socks wet. It's exactly. <laughs> she um she's also very much beloved by the people. Like her being this figurehead, not only was it something that she wanted to do and that Ayato wanted her to do, um, people love her. They have a um a name for her called the Shirasagi Himijimi, the white heron princess. Um, and it's because she's always like almost like glowing. Like people have said her heart is as pure as crystallized ice, and her colors are the crystals of forming in the winter air. Like it's very poetic, but also just you know she's always looked at as this like beauty which she is oh my god yeah i mean yeah i look at her character design honestly she's absolutely stunning mm-hmm. and she's the first like playable female character i think that we run into i'm not sure if it's her or yoimiya in inazuma oh i was like in the whole game we have amber yes in the whole game fuck everyone else <laughs> I'm like, no Jean, no Ningua, like, no Beto. Yeah, she would be the first because Toma is really the only other one that we meet in Inazuma. In Inazuma. Well, we meet Yoimiya. I don't know if it's Yoimiya or Ayaka we meet first. Because Yoimiya is like helping people escape with their visions. And Ayaka is kind of doing a little bit of shady work with her brother, I think, to help... <laughs> on the back end with those fake visions that they're kind of giving up. Uh, for the travelers who don't know, in Inazuma at this time, Yoimiya, Ayaka, Toma, and a few other people are involved in trying to help people who are getting their visions taken away during the Vision Hunt decree, and they are actually creating fake visions. <laughs> and the people are giving up their fake visions when they go up to have everything taken away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody notices. Yeah, how does nobody notice? <laughs> <laughs> they did a damn good job <laughs> making replicas. Like, did they die too? You know how, like, we see the visions die when their, like, owners are gone? <laughs> like, did they all die? That's a good point, though, because when we look at the statue of the omnipresent god, they still seem lit up, don't they? They do. I wonder if it's because they're, like, still nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or because, like, they're still being drawn upon in some Mm. way. Like, I still think that there's something, like, that was, like, sucking out the energy juice of them or something. And the Saritza's on the other end. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, with a big-ass straw. Yeah, she's like, slurp, slurp, slurp. (laughs) Delicious, delicious versions. So then let's actually jump over and talk about Ayato then for a little bit. So we know Ayato as Ayaka's older brother. And I remember when he got released, it was like the biggest deal ever. Because you can hear Ayato at the end of Ido's story trailer, I believe. The one and only. (laughs) 
And people like really held on to that like voice clip of Ayato. They're like, it's him. He's here. He is alive. And Ayato <laughs> was like a pretty big deal getting released. I mean, we were all playing, I mm-hmm. think, when Ayato got released, right? Yeah, I think he was the yeah. very first. Because I know I started the first banner I ever pulled on was the release of Yaimiko. And I got Jean, my beloved. <laughs> <laughs> and I think after that, was Ayato, I'm pretty sure, or it was Yelan. I can't, you know, at this point, it's really hard to <laughs> remember. But yeah, everyone was going nuts about him. And I don't know if that was because he was the second Hydro Sword that we ever had. And though Shingsho is more of like a support rather than DPS, Ayato is full DPS. Yeah, I think people are just excited for a few reasons. Like he's the head of the Kamisato clan, Ayaka's brother, also the, you know, a DPS hydro sword, which is a gay icon, a a tall male, a house (laughs) husband named Toma. I was going to say, people get really hyped about the tall male characters. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, because we really like gay men being gay. There's a lot of thirst happening. There's a video. I'm going to find it and see if we can link it on to the website but it's basically the g in genshin stands for gay <laughs> just they thought that it was just a gay man simulator and they go through and then they, they talk about toma and they start singing the pitbull song toma i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna find it it's amazing mr worldwide is child though yes mr worldwide by the way ayaka did come out first she came out in july of 2021 followed the next month by yoimiya and sayu mm-hmm. and then sara and then raiden then kokomi then toma and then ito goro and yaimiko and then ayato i don't mean to take away from ayato's moment we'll come back to him in a second but i very much remember Remember the Toma release <laughs> and being like, I oh, yeah. need mm-hmm. Toma. I don't even know if I had gotten to Inazuma yet. And I was like, I need him. I <laughs> need him. I was like obsessed with him <laughs> for no reason. Like it's the rat tail. Hypnotized by the rat tail. Have oh you goodness. seen Mika's rat tail? It's so little. It's like the size of my thumb. It is. You know what? I know Mika is related to Huffman, but is Huffman related to Toma? Because I feel like this is just absolutely true in my heart of hearts because Mika looks like Toma if he was a chocobo. <laughs> if it's true, Toma better go home and beat Huffman's ass. I'm so mad at Huffman. I said like two episodes ago that Huffman was one of my favorite like NPCs in the Knights of Favonius and I take it all back. I hate him now. <laughs> Oh my, Wait, oh my why? god have y'all not like read the mika lore no no do, do you want to know the mika lore no well hang on hang on we might not want to spoil our travelers yeah. okay it's wild it's really frustrating i also haven't like uh, got, gotten him above 20 because <laughs> i need to go fight the wee nut oh i googled it uh, i want to oh. know i liked i was very excited but my knights of pavonius <laughs> she's too invested in this family yeah too invested back to another but 
anyway, yeah. So Ayato actually became head of Yashiro Commission at a very young age when their parents died. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Wait, can I talk about his dad and how fucking, like, (laughs) relatable content his death was? (laughs) I say that in, like, the saddest way. So the Kamisato clan, it's unclear of when it was founded, but we do know they've been heading the Yashiro Commission for quite a few generations and at least one or two generations back the kamisato clan faced like some really bad press we don't know why possible interference of different things happening you know maybe some fatui shit who knows well i actually know and we'll get into that in a little bit Okay, we'll get to that, because I didn't. I did not find that. I want to know. But Ayato and Ayaka's father rose up as the head of the Kamisato clan and was dead set into trying to let not clear their name, but improve their reputation, to bring it up from the ashes. And the stress of that killed him. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy is that it didn't even happen during his time. This is like something that's been passed down through multiple generations of mm-hmm. trying to rehabilitate their family's name and get them in good standing with the Shogun. So mm-hmm. I think it's just like, and it's not like, you know, he was like, oh, the stress and then like died instantly. Like it just. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you didn't pull a CK3 when you hit 200 stress and just like die of a heart attack. <laughs> I think it just, he just died relatively early because mm. the stress of that and the responsibility drained him so much throughout his life he had heart failure probably and then his wife did (laughs) yeah and then his wife died shortly after that of either a broken heart or just you know being sick right ayato really was the one who was able to fix all of that like he did a lot of like damage control for them Mm-hmm. Well, and he still continues to, yeah. And I think that's part of why he's so manipulative and sort of shady and is like, he's trying to do whatever he needs to do to protect his family name and sort of secure a better reputation for everyone in the family going forward. This definitely falls into like my theory for Ayato and like his possible relation to the underground society that's trying to take down the Fatui. Either way, yeah. let's continue before <laughs> Yeah, I get too sidetracked. Ayato even has, in one of Ryan and Shogun's voice lines, she's even mentioned that she respects and forgives the Kamisatos based on Ayato and his actions. So he really has fixed shit if A is like, all right, you're good now. But I will mm-hmm. say too, you know, you mentioned that, you know, he does a lot of shady shit. But Toma does too. Toma's a fence. He's like a legit fence. Well, what does Toma do that's, that's sussy? He almost like acts as Ayato's proxy and yes. at times where he sort mm-hmm. of flexes the authority of the Yashiro Commission, even though he's not technically in a position of power. He does a lot of bribery, too. Everyone is like, don't mess with him because then Ayato's going to fuck you up if you do. Which yeah. is why it was so like shocking that Toma was the one getting his vision taken by the Bryden Shogun. Right. Because yeah. he's fixes, and I put that in quotations, like he bribes people to get, you know, in order for us to even get into, into in Azuma, he's committing fraud for us to get in there right yeah that's where the sus start let me forge this paperwork for you and then let me also get her to like he haggles the woman's price down from like two million mora to like 10 mora it felt like it was ridiculous exactly welcome to being a fence you're very lucrative and very valuable and they all love him like you said because he does he is a fixer he's a mm-hmm. housekeeper a fixer he's very willing to be like oh your sink's leaky i'll come look at it he always calls him 
himself like the housekeeper, but I feel like he is more of the steward-esque status, which is not clan management, but the, the household management. And what I mean that is basically he takes care of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like high butler or whatever. He's the uh the clan caretaker. He's <laughs> Jeeves. He is Jeeves. And oh Alfred. My God. He's yeah. the Alfred to Ayato's Batman. Act- yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Except they're in love. <laughs> but you know, I do want to go back to Ayato quickly. So Ayato also has a vision. I think we mentioned he's a hydro sword, and that's why he's a playable character, because he has a vision. And Ayato gets his vision one night after talking with his father. And his father is like on his deathbed and is very sick. And the dad kind of pulls him in and is like, says something like, you know. You have to make sure to do the absolute most, basically. The most is. He's like, the family is going to do well under you, basically. He's basically giving, like, uh, Ayato his blessing to take over. Mm-hmm. And when Ayato gets back to his room that night, he finds a hydrovision in his room. And I kind of felt like the assumption was that, like, his dad died. Oh, wait. Is- uh, hold up. Yeah, wait. like, gave him the blessing, the got the vision, and then that, like, kind of a closing that chapter at yeah. that moment. I have a question. I thought he won his vision in a bet. No. Who was that? There was someone who dueled him and it cost the other person his vision. He had to give it over to Ayato. But that's not oh. Ayato's vision. That's some other person's vision. But uh, yeah, Ayato's vision came after this conversation with his father. I don't necessarily think his dad died that night. I mean, he could have. Mm-hmm. But from what I gathered was that that conversation sort of led Ayato to like kind of solidifying this desire within him to protect his family. And right. he really decided that that, you know, he wasn't going to be like a reluctant leader or, you know, take on the the reins of the family business reluctantly. Like he was actually very gung-ho about, about taking that on, that responsibility. Because a lot of people would try to shirk their duties if, you know, like you have to be like the whole clan leader and you have all these people that you're responsible for and like you your family's reputation is kind of still a little bit muddy. So you're trying to like fix everything. A lot of people would not want to do that. But Ayato got his vision because he decided that he absolutely did want to do that. He went in guns ablazing and was like ready to do what was necessary to help his family. So that sort of like desire to like protect his family and really step up and mm-hmm. lean into that role that, you know, he's he literally watched his father's health decline early because of the stress of it. And instead of being like, Psh, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, I absolutely do want to do that. And speaking of the stress of everything going on in their family family shortly after ayaka and ayato's parents both pass away ayato approached toma who originally wasn't from inazuma he's originally from monstat and basically said to toma you should leave the yashiro commission and you should leave us because shit's about to hit the fan and that's going to impact you and it's not going to be good and toma was like no i'm going to stick by you guys you know you are the ones who really helped me and protected me and got me to where i am today and i'm going to do the same for you and that day toma got his vision so it's very interesting mm-hmm. how they both had these moments of like perseverance and and same for Ayaka. I mean, if you want to look at them as like a trio, they all had moments of perseverance and pushing through that got yeah. them their visions. But I love that Toma got his because he was being a good friend. Yeah, I mean, it's like, so- it's just so like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they became more than friends. 
<laughs> I'm pushing a narrative very hard. I'm so sorry. It's so funny, too, because the original rumors with Toma before he was seen in game was that he was like a fuck boy. That was Ayaka's fiance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like his original storyline. Isn't that so weird? Now he's like the sweetest, yeah. kindest mm-hmm. soul who's dating Ayato. He knits sweaters for stray animals. Yeah. <laughs> so wholesome. So, okay, we've talked a little bit about each of them, and we've also talked a lot about their parents so i think it's clear for us to confirm that their parents are both dead not just dead but dead (laughs) (laughs) dead 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 apparently no one was friends with them because no one's an anima (laughs) that we know of that yeah are there besides haizo are there any animos in in inazuma hello kazuwa (laughs) (laughs) the head of the dead friends first In Azuma character. Brandon, what a actually a great leeway into Kazuha though, because Kazuha was Leeway? A- you set this up so well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a really good way into our next point, though, which is Kazuha. So Kazuha, we all know, as Brandon just said, was the first character we get to meet from Inazuma. He is a, like, pirate, basically, with Beidou. He's a wandering samurai who is now pretending to be a pirate with Beidou. And he's an animal user because he has a dead friend. We won't get too much into Kazuha because this is not his episode. But Kazuha's family, the Kaidaharas, were very close friends with the Kamisatos. And Ayato and Ayato actually helped him escape in Azuma during the vision hunt decree. Yes. Which is just showing you how all of them are willing to be shady. (laughs) Rebellions aren't made with good faith. We gotta do some shady shit. You definitely get the sense when you're playing through the Archon Quest in Inazuma that the Yashiro Commission is sort of the only commission that hasn't lost its damn mind. Yeah. And isn't just True. blindly following the Raiden Shogun. Like, they're kind yeah. of like, uh, no, what she's doing is fucked up and we need to stop this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense that they're the ones who are like, we got to get Kazuha out of here because something bad is going to happen to him and our families go way back together and, you know, shit is crazy. So let's do what we need to do. Do to sneak him out. Do they sneak him directly onto Beto's boat? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm pretty like sure. They do. they do. Yeah, they do something that gets That's him on the boat. I think. Which is why we are able to work with Toma right away, coming off of Beto's boat. Yes, they right. got a working relationship. We should have read Beto's lore before recording. Like, <laughs> why does she have the ties? I mean, she's a pirate. Yeah, she's delivering goods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm to Inazuma, so that's why she's one of the ships that can actually get there. There's She's a part of the commerce. But yeah, she's like legit in that scenario. I mean, as much as legit the pirate can be. I mean, pirates are pretty fucking legit, Tiff. I don't know what you're getting at. Look, they're <laughs> stealing the cargo and then selling it in a different location. I like it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Look, pirates didn't steal gold. They stole silk and food and textiles and all that good shit. But from Beto's side of things, I don't... In this scenario, Beto's not stealing shit. She's just doing a job. Yeah, she's part-time pirate, full-time smuggler. <laughs> Can we talk about the other, besides the festivals and the culture and everything that the Ashiro Commission oversees? Can we talk about the other two main entities, I guess, that the commission oversees? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two other sort of areas that are are overseen by the Ashiro Commission. One is this secret group of ninjas (laughs) called the Shumatsuban. The other is, of course, the Komori Tea House. And both of them have really wild stories. But starting with the Shumatsuban, 
This is a secret ninja organization <laughs> under the Yashiro Commission, which I thought was interesting because, like, why wouldn't it be under the Tenryo Commission? Yeah. Um, since they're sort of like the military, but maybe I guess they want it under Yashiro because they're able to be a little sneakier and they sort of fly more or under the radar, so I guess that makes sense. But anyway, this um, organization reports directly to the head of the Yashiro Commission, which of course is Ayato. And this organization of ninjas does, of course, include our favorite, Sayu, Mom, my daughter. Um, <laughs> and so Sayu, you know, she seems to be an orphan, because if you read into her lore, She's been training under the Shumatsuban since she can remember. So that kind of implies that she's an orphan. And so she's been training under the sensei and she's actually abandoned by the sensei as soon as she's old enough to defend herself because he wanted to avoid her becoming overly reliant on him, which sort of has a parallel that we'll get into in a second. So other members of the Shumatsuban besides Sayu, there is Inu Shosho, which is a ninja dog. No, is that Blade or, Pup? Um, a Shiba Inu. Is that Blade Pup, do you mean? Yes. So this is... Blade Pup! This is the ninja dog that we see in Toma's hangout. And the guy who kicks our asses in that one event. Who hangs out at the beach because mm -hmm. their master slash partner, ninja partner, they like went on a mission and never came back because they were basically likely to be assassinated. Oh my and God. So remember, do you remember that? It's like really sad because he won't yeah. leave the beach. Yeah, because and... it reminds me of Futurama and I cried so hard. I was like, no. So, yeah, so Tom, you know, figures out a way to, like, become sort of, like, friendly with the dog. And, like, the dog still won't leave the beach, but, like, he'll at least, like, let them bring food to it and stuff. It's very sad. <laughs> that dog is a member of the Shumatsuban. It's a ninja dog. Um, there's also a ninja named Hisashi. He's the sexy male ninja who sort of follows Ayato around. So if you remember Ayato's story quest, he's that, like, dark-haired ninja that'll just pop up and be like, while you were talking to the people in Rito, I was spying on everyone and you know here's what's going on uh, so he's just kind of like the, you know Ayato's shadow during his clandestine meetings and everything there is Momoyo, who is a fascinating character, and I don't know if you all remember her, but she is another ninja who actually posed as a Shrine Maiden. So she was sort of undercover when you first get to Inazuma as Shrine Maiden Gendo Ringo, who is the lady that's in charge of the fortune slip box at the Grand Arakami Shrine. Okay. And so eventually she's... She was the ninja? Yeah. Well, no wonder she's got a bad attitude. <laughs> Right, right. She is so rude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she had a bad attitude anyway. It was sort of like in addition to her being an <laughs> but So she at some point gets attacked by these Fatui spies and she has to like fake her death in order to escape. But in faking her death, it gives an opportunity for the Fatui, specifically this Fatus named Lyadoshka Snezhevna, to <laughs> assume her identity in an attempt to try to infiltrate the Shumatsuban. So the Fatui's like trying to infiltrate this ninja network, right? So this Snezhnaya named Yudoshka basically takes on and like makes herself look like Momoyo, the sh who is pretending to be Shrine Maiden Gendo Ringo <laughs> and goes to the Narukami Shrine and is like posing as G Gendo Ringo while Momoyo is like hiding from the Futui. So Lyodoshka, you find out, is an orphan that was raised in the House of Hearth Orphanage. That That's that orphanage in Snezhnaya that's run by the Nave slash Arlecchino. Slash the Furious Essence Venerer. Maybe, yeah. And remember, this is the same orphanage if you played through the Sumeru stuff and you've gone 
through the Aranara Odyssey and you get to like this villainous character in, in a village. I'm going to try not to spoil it too much. There is someone in that village whose real name is Trofan Snezhevich and you confront him if you go back to that village and you get an option to kill him or not, um, <laughs> which is like the first big decision I feel like we get to make in the game, which is really shocking. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> There's a lot of murder in Sumeru. That's all I gotta say. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of death in Sumeru for sure. Anyway, so the, this whole orphanage storyline I thought was really interesting because to me, it kind of mirrors what's going on with the Shumatsuban. Mm-hmm. Like you have these orphans in Snezhnaya being raised as like spies and assassins. And that's basically the same thing that Inazuma is doing with the Shumatsuban. Like Sayu is like a little girl orphan who has been trained to be a ninja and like do these like crazy missions. It's wild. Possibly even assassinate people people yeah she just wants to take a nap and that's all she wants to do is take a goddamn nap she's been so busy killing people just like chopping their heads off (laughs) rolling around like just yeah (laughs) slicing people up with her wait isn't there a game now called uh the murder of sonic the hedgehog she's that She murdered Sonic. She really is. Yeah, another person like assuming someone's identity. Anyway, Momoyo, you know, she eventually tries to like take back the night and she confronts the Snezhnayan who's pretending to be her at the shrine, Leodoshka. And Leodoshka's like, wait, like, I don't even want to be doing this. Like, I was, you know, raised by these people in Snezhnaya and my master's like gonna hurt me if I don't do this right and blah, blah, blah. So Momoyo takes pity on her helps Lyodochka fake her death in order to leave the Fatui, and then Momoyo allows herself to get captured by the Fatui in order to convince them that Lyodochka is dead. So even though Momoyo's kind of a bitch, she's also like a really good person. Wait, that is so interesting though, because that reflects very similarly to a quest I just did last night in Sumeru with helping like Fatui who are trying to escape and fake their death. Yeah, it's like the only way you can get out. They, Yeah, exactly. They're all trying to fake their deaths, man. Mm-hmm. Is that why we haven't seen Child? Because <laughs> yeah, it seems like you leave the Fatui in a coffin, basically. Exactly. Yeah. R.I.P. Senora. I mean, think of all the Fatui members we've killed. Not the Harbingers, just the random fuckers around the entirety of Tavat. Oh, we kill at least 40 a day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they all look they all look like the same five people. Yeah. So that's really interesting. They must <laughs> have to get plastic surgery to fit the <laughs> fit the requirement. In fact, if you don't have big titty bazoongas, you cannot be the ice maiden. I mean, lucky Leodochka was able to look exactly like Momoyo. So Wild. at least she got to like do something different. But anyway, Momoyo lets herself get captured by the Fatui, convinces that Leodoshka's dead. During that fight, her eye gets injured, so she has to wear an eye patch. So that's another eye patch character. But um, she ends up leaving the shrine <laughs> at the end of all of this. And what's funny is that Traveler and Paimon convince Leodoshka to stay and permanently take up the identity of Gendo Ringo in <laughs> Memoyo's place. So now, after you do that quest, now when you go to the shrine, the person doing the fortune slips 
is actually Leo Dochka. Stop this. It's a different nice. person. <laughs> oh my anyway, goodness. Anyway, I found that I found that very fun. Yeah, that is. Thank <laughs> you for all that. I, I did not. Yeah, that was really, really cool. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't remember any of it when I was reading. <laughs> I love it. But can we just say for a second too that outside of Yai Miko, we've actually had a lot of interactions with these random NPCs at the shrine who end up being like kind of important people. Yeah, they all got a story. Like Kuki's sister is a shrine maiden. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck is her sister a spy? And maybe at this rate, I don't know. Maybe a secret ninja. I'll show you a secret ninja anyway. <laughs> Speaking of secret ninjas, though, with the Shimatsuban, is that like I know that we it's known that the Kamisatos run the tea house, but is it known that Ayato's the head of the Shimatsuban, or is that like a hidden thing? So the actual organization itself is hidden. Like most okay. people don't know it exists but i guess i i'm assuming that anyone who knows that it exists knows that they report to oh, okay Yato. like i'm sure yaimiko knows of it yeah, i wasn't sure how how hidden it was or if it was just hidden that it was him like because again i feel he's sus so i gotta find every little sus thing so it's like oh yeah <laughs> in, in the background you're doing all this yeah well i would actually say that a lot more people probably know about them than we think because in ayato's character trailer which actually this is really interesting in my opinion so the Shumasuben, he's like fighting with them uh, by their sides. They're like defending him and protecting him and he's helping them fight while there are fireworks going around them at night. And a lot of people theorize that this story trailer is happening the same night that Sayu is breaking in to get the paperwork mm-hmm. during the Archon line in Inazuma because right. uh, Yoimiya shot off fireworks as a distraction. Yeah. And he says at the end of that that he's doing it for his sister for whatever reason she needs it. Right. And he's like, oh, whatever she wants, basically, I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. So he does run into Fatui at that point, I believe, in the yes. trailer. So mm-hmm. I would say that minimally the Fatui, you know, Know, you know what's going on which yeah. they just know everything well they d- they, they do. definitely do because they're yeah i mean leodochka was assigned to try to infiltrate it so yeah they have a lot of intelligence like a lot of major intelligence operatives i'm assuming probably all these orphans that they're sending in to yeah. <laughs> spy and infiltrate and learn about things it all comes back to the fatui i'm telling you it, it, still it holding really on does. to that one <laughs> All you're doing is proving my point. <laughs> the other uh, organization or or uh, entity that sort of reports to the Yashiro Commission is the Komori Tea House. And it's really, it's kind of confusing, but I really think of it as just like a meeting place that they have that is just sort of theirs. I'm not sure if there's like any kind of official thing about it where it's like a, a branch of the Yashiro Commission. I, I kind of just think it might just be like their secret meeting place, like their clubhouse. <laughs> It really is. And they have a dog running it. Yeah, it's run by this <laughs> dog named Tarumaru, who's actually a former ninja dog, yeah. just like just like uh, Inu Shosho. He's a former ninja. He retired yeah. and he's taken over a tea house. But he, he's a dog. He doesn't speak any human language. He only speaks dog. <laughs> and Goro. <laughs> yeah, Goro is the only one who can communicate with him. He's just Zhongli, but a dog. Literally. <laughs> 
It's so funny. He's so cute too. Mm-hmm. But it, it works in his favor because like at one point, I think the Fatui or someone like comes into the tea house and he just pretends like he can't understand them. And they spill all their secrets in front of him because he's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, woof, woof. <laughs> yeah. And then they have to get Goro to like actually find out what they said. <laughs> but yeah, so this dog who runs the tea house, he's associated with another person who hangs out around the tea house who is a, another retired ninja named Nakanishi. And Toru Maru and Nakanishi used to sort of run around together back in their ninja days. <laughs> we also find out through Nakanishi's dialogue that there is apparently some kind of ninja village. A ninja village? Yeah, there's like a, a village or there at least there used to be a ninja village where Ooh. I don't know if that's like where they're sent to train and the ninja ways and their <laughs> jutsu, you know? So anyway, these two retired ninjas are in a tea house um, and then Tarmaru, you know, he used to sort of follow Nakanishi around. It kind of reminded me of uh, Inu Shosho and maybe like their partner slash master or owner. Mm, okay. But it's funny because Nakanishi talks about Tarumaru like they're complete equals. Aww. So I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, uh, another fun connection is Nakanishi, this retired ninja at the tea house, used to be really good friends with Furuta, who is the old lady housekeeper at the Kamisato estate. And you find out by talking uh, to Oh, the one that you're her, always talking to? Yeah. She's so nice. Yeah. And you find out through her that she actually used to be Yaimiko's personal attendant and that when she got, you know, too old and retired, Ayaka basically allowed her to become a housekeeper at the estate. And Furuta sort of admits that, like, you know, with Toma around, they don't even really need a housekeeper. <laughs> so it was kind of like Ayaka just being nice and, like, didn't want her to, like, have nothing to do. So she Aww. sort of hired her on. <laughs> And then you have Kozue, 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 who is the shop assistant that stands guard outside the tea house and decides who's allowed to enter. And Nakanishi mentions that she has impeccable swordsmanship skills. So it makes sense that she's sort of like the gatekeeper because you don't want to fuck with her. Mm. Okay. And so this Kozue character reveals something that blew my mind that is so scary to me. But she reveals to the traveler, the employees of the tea house have signed a contract with Tarumaru and are two remain trapped here to work forever unable to leave (laughs) what yo that dog man he's a scammer too there's people hidden in there well i'm assuming that means (laughs) just anyone that that works for it that would include i'm assuming that would include nakanishi maybe tarumaru and then causeway and then one other person that i'm about to get to but yeah they're all trapped there because they signed a contract and they have to stay there forever slumlord dog so this dog is technically Yubaba from Spirited Away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And instead of a bathhouse, it's a tea house. Yes. Oh, no. Isn't that kind of terrifying? That's terrifying. Especially because I'm imagining a dog writing out the contract. You would forever pet me and serve me treats. Yes. And by the way, you can't leave because if you leave, I think you're going to be gone forever. But does that mean that, like, they might be ghosts already? Like, I don't oh understand. God. I mean, they, they've already left the earth with pain, man. Their bodies, they're buried in the backyard. We don't don't even know no. their bones are what he eats and it gets even creepier because there's one final employee of the tea house named Nabumori, and this is the doorman and this is the person that was overly confident and challenged ayato to a duel oh at the time he was a vision wielder and i guess you know the cost of losing the duel was he had to hand his vision over to ayato and now he's the doorman of the tea house <laughs> which means he's trapped in the tea house forever <laughs> Oh my god. 
Not only do you get your vision taken, but now, then... yeah, now you're like trapped <laughs> as a tea house ghost for yeah. the rest of eternity. At a doorman at a tea house. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> we need like a meme of him. Like <laughs> it's so creepy. I'm very I was very disturbed by this. You know what we need to do? We need to have Strong Yoon come to the tea house and check yeah. it out. If they all run away. They're ghosts. <laughs> and here I thought the weirdest thing that happened in that tea house was the hot pot game. Oh, no, not the hot pot game. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the hot pot game, if anybody doesn't remember or they haven't gotten this far in it, it's a game that, that Tomo plays with everybody where basically you have to put weird shit <laughs> into your hot pot. <laughs> and whoever can like make the weirdest <laughs> meal and like eat it, I guess. Yeah, it's like whoever can eat the most sussy shit. Basically. Yeah, so wet socks. Yeah, put then the wet socks win. in the hot pot. Oh, that's why she got them wet. She was rinsing them off. Yeah, <laughs> like it got too much broth in him this time. <laughs> Which is also strange. Like Toma just goes crazy with it. He's always like, I can try all this stuff, but he's also like ayato's official taster too like right. for all like people i don't i guess it's not imagined but ayato is like hey people might be trying to poison me Toma, eat this first <laughs> and if you have ayato as a playable character he if you use him while you cook he makes shit sussy and like makes it worse like it, if it gave you like 400 hp now it'll give you 200 because he did it i'm sorry you said that Ayato is being poisoned by people. Don't you mean Ayato is trying to poison himself? Like, do you remember that one day when we were making Dongo milk? And he was like, yeah, let's put lavender melon yeah. in it. And then we tried it and he was like, he basically admitted to that, like, he made it bad so Toma could drink it. Yeah. Yeah, I, basically. I was like, Excuse? Well, he's trying to prank his husband. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> he legitimately is like, oh my god, I want to see him drink something nasty. I feel like that's just, like, a weird thing. Ayato's like, I want to come home and take care of him. I love it that he also he uses the Shumatsuban to deliver all these weird things to Toma to try. How <laughs> <laughs> about it? Nowhere! Little, like, his, like, carrier pigeons. <laughs> his, like, ninja carrier pigeons. Like, take this to Toma and make him drink it. And, like, they, every time they pop up, they would scare the shit out of Paimon. <laughs> I would be like, where did you come <laughs> yeah. from? <laughs> it's like don't worry about it I'm like who are you i feel like there might be a special ingredient in those though <laughs> oh no his love speaking of ships and love i know that we've talked a lot about ayato toma and i think they're my favorite ship out of like the ayato ayaka ships that you can have but there are actually a lot of ships out there for these two. Ooh, so many there's some surprising ones mm -hmm. like what are some of the favorites you guys have heard there's, of course, I love the Ayaka and Lumine ship. I'm not big on Lumine and Aether. You mean Lumine Ayaka? Aether? You mean Ayaka and Aether? Any, speaking of surprise incidents. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm so sorry. I can't think straight today. So Things sorry. you don't expect to say often. Surprise <laughs> incest. No, I'm not really into them either, Al. <laughs> no, I'm not into it. Yeah, not my favorite. No, I'm not into the Ayaka. Ayaka and Aether. To me, Ayaka feels like a dollar bean. 
She feels like a lesbian. <laughs> I feel like if she's not with Lumin, which she's absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she she dated. She she went all they, out I on our first been, date. Yeah, they were at least on one date together. We know that. Mm-hmm. And it was an actual date. Like, oh my god, she put a lot of work into that. But she does have that same date with Day Thirteen. Yeah. Mm. Not for nothing, though, Ayaka was also super flirty with us during that last event where she got her Fontaine outfit. Yeah, yeah. she was. Hardcore flirting with us. She loves us. She loves travelers. And I, I would put her then, she's going to go into the buy category simply because it's traveler. It's our entity. Very true. Very true. To keep it in your story, with whoever you play with, mm-hmm. to keep it canon for you she's in love with us okay so ayaka with yoimiya has also been like a really cute ship that i've seen it's not like as oh. popular but like it's super cute i haven't heard of that one but i'm into it they would be really cute together i think i haven't seen like the smut of it but i've seen a lot of like cute little like they have little fireworks and they're on amakane island and like having their own little date and then there's ayato and ito and yeah. Toma, which hot, hot <laughs> as hell. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I know Ayato and Ito like hang out, and, mm. and Ito doesn't really know who Ayato is. He's just like, that's my buddy who likes to play with Beatles with me. Yeah, literally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Be your Ito voice is great. <laughs> yeah, Max Middleton, watch out. <laughs> Brandon's coming for you. And also Ayato and Yaimiko, that's a, that's another one. Yes. Yes, I've seen the that The two one. sneaky, sus people that are leading the nation together. I think I'm too biased on the Yamiko and Raiden to fully, like, imagine that. I definitely think, though, that they work together. They are a good partnership. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's uh, romantic. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't yeah, like I don't, together, I'm not a big I know- fan. I know it's a thing. And I have also seen a lot of Ayaka Kazuha. Yes, that's what oh, I was going to say. I've seen a yeah. lot of Ayaka Kazuha. I kind of like the Ayaka Kazuha. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. I think they're cute together. As a traveler mm-hmm. who doesn't like wet socks, I was not into the date. Would not have returned for a second date. That ruined it for you? Yeah, it nulled everything else out. Wet socks. Were you into it right up until that point? And then you were just like, oh, come on. <laughs> vibing i won't say that i was like deep into it i was like oh okay yeah sure and i was like i was like i gotta go now (laughs) yeah that's my that's my that i'm a big ayato toma fan personally they make me really yeah i like them together but okay so one quick background thing of the writing gokuden and like why the kamisato clan and the yashiro commission is like having reputation problems is this because of the bloodline this is because of our good old friend scar and moot oh, damn it <laughs> scar what you do now you motherfucker you mean kyo you mean haku no, no, this is pre-Wanderer. This is pre-Weasel. This so does pre-weasel, this actually yeah. exist anymore then? Yeah. Is it what? Does it exist anymore? It's, so it's different, and I'll I'll get into that too. So okay. Skara, 
I don't know if you recall, but we talked about this during our Scaramouche episode, so I'm not going to get too into the weeds with it. But Scara was, you know, because of Dottore's meddling, Scara thought that he had been betrayed by Niwa. And Niwa, along with, you know, the Kaidaharas and a bunch of other families, they all belong to these five different schools of blade works, bladesmithing, that uh, was called the Raiden Gokuden. So just five bladesmithing schools, when you hear Raiden Gokuden, that's what that means. And the Shogun, you know, had tasked the Raiden Gokuden to forge a sword based on a specific blueprint. So Skara, who is, you know, furious at Niwa, even though it was really Dottore who did what what happened, but Skara was fooled into thinking it was Niwa. So anyway, he he wants to get revenge against quote unquote the bladesmith. I'm assuming that the bladesmith in the lore is Niwa because I okay. can't think of who else it would be. But anyway, he tampers with these blueprints that are given to the Raiden Gokuden by the Shogun, and it, it causes them to like keep failing at producing this blade that the Shogun wants them to make. And so you know, with the Raiden Shogun puppet being a psycho, they're all terrified that the Shogun's going to punish them because they keep failing at making the sword. So that a bunch of the swordsmiths in the Raiden Gokuden, they end up taking refuge with the Fatui and they ex- exile themselves to Snezhnaya. Now, the Kamisato head at the time, and this is like over 300 years ago, mind you. So the Kamisato head at the time, along with Kaidahara Yashinori, who was the Kaidahara head at the time, they were convinced that there was something afoot, that the, the blueprints were being sabotaged, which they were. So they pursued these fleeing swordsmiths to Snezhnaya. And during that time, they meet Skaramouche. Skara admits what he did shortly before, you know, easily defeating them. And then Skara recognizes Yashinori because Yashinori, even though it's Kaidahara Yashinori, he's actually adopted. And he's originally from the Niwa clan, like his family is Niwa, but he, his father died or something. So he was adopted by the Kaidahara clan. So hmm. when Kaidahara Yashinori, who is a Niwa, confronts Skara, Skara recognizes, you know, the Niwa ancestry in him and, you know, asks him like, hey, are you related to Niwa? Like my Niwa? <laughs> my Niwa! <laughs> I guess he's sort of moved enough to spare his life. And he also spares the life of the Kamisato head at the time. And then he allows them to live and he sort of gives them an ominous message to take back to to A, who, you know, abandoned him. <laughs> anyway, they decide to cover up the whole thing because they're terrified that if they go back to um, Inazuma and they tell everyone the truth of what happened, that Skara will seek retribution and murder them. So Yashinori, Kaidahara Yashinori, he closes shop permanently. He's like, I'm not doing any blade smithing anymore. We're done. And that's what leads to the decline of the Kaidahara house, which Ooh. is, we all know, like doing the... Kazuha storylines that they're in a state of decline, right? So yeah. that's what sort of leads them on a downhill trajectory is this whole Skara thing. And then the Kamisatos, they are, you know, a part of the cover-up and they're especially liable for this because they were still the head of the Yashiro Commission back then, the Kamisato clan. And the, you know, the only reason basically that they weren't punished or even sort of exiled by the Shogun was because of Yaimiko. Yaimiko steps in and is like, you know what, Raiden Shogun, let's not punish the Kamisato clan. Um, there's not, we're not really exactly sure why she does that. We're there, I think, are sort of there's speculation that she was just sort of like in cahoots with them a little bit uh, right. before all of this went mm. down. But she, you know, has that 
presence of mind to sort of intervene because she knows she knows how the shogun is and she's like hold on let's give them another chance but no murder today no murder today maybe a little no exiling (laughs) it's still a huge fall from grace for the Kamisatos. And again, this is like over 300 years ago. So it leads to this multi-generational struggle for the Kamisatos to sort of rebuild their reputation. And, you know, it trickles all the way down to Ayato and Ayaka's dad, which is crazy. Like, that's how long it's taken them to sort of rebuild the name of the the Kamisatos. And for those that are curious, because we do know that Skara eventually erases himself from Ermansoul. Mood. When he does that, because he realizes that he was deceived by Dottore and he feels really bad. He's like, I feel real bad about what I did to all these (laughs) families. So um, what happens when he does that is that when Skara is not there, and I don't know if you remember, but at some point in his storyline, Skara goes into this the furnace to fix the Tatarasuna, and it was basically infected um, with all this filth because of Dottore. And um, in the original storyline, Skara goes into the furnace after he feels like he's betrayed and he fixes it. And since Skara doesn't exist after he erases himself, what happens is that Niwa, who was still alive in this timeline, he and some unnamed blacksmith go into the furnace and sacrifice themselves in order to fix it. That unnamed blacksmith orphans a son, yet another orphan, and that orphan, his bitterness at the Shogun for not doing anything to help his family. After that, it's like passed down through all these generations until one day the head of that clam, whoever it was, snaps and they go on a murder spree and they kill all these bladesmiths and they basically decimate the writing Gokudan um, anyway. Um, and again, it's like sort of like ends up with the same results where you have the Kamisatos and the Kaidaharas who are sort of the only ones that survive. Um, also, I just want to say this game really likes to showcase how people can hold grudges. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can we look at like like uh, everything you just said, plus the fucking Lawrence plan? Like yeah. the concept has been bad for thousands of years at Fort Eula, basically. It's like just they should have just called it orphans patches and grudges <laughs> can you uh, explain that to your ai poem maker brandon <laughs> we'll we'll have to Not share the that AI. no oh yeah no brandon made uh brandon taught an ai how to make poetry and it made a beautiful poem not only about genshin <laughs> impact and about venti but about buffy the vampire slayer yes <laughs> a reoccurring theme on the podcast buffy <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, also a love letter from you to child, Feeny. I don't know if you oh, saw I that did. one. <laughs> oh my god. It was so good. It was like, I love you so much. You are my re- heart. It was a lot of fun to play with because I, I first I had it write a song about Venti. Then I, I did it again and I said, include wine and cats. And the <laughs> outcome was completely different. <laughs> the child one is, I love your sense of humor, your intelligence, and your kindness. <laughs> You always know how to make me laugh, even when I'm feeling down. You're the most intelligent person I know, and I love <laughs> learning new things from you. A- AI, you're fired. <laughs> fired. Absolutely. You accept me for who I am, flaws and all. I love you, child, and I love you with all my heart. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my God, I was... I can't. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> we'll have to share the the ai stories on on the site yeah we definitely have to <laughs> 
With that being said, though, we've talked a lot about the history of really what has led to the Kamisatos and some of the families around them. And we've really covered most of present day in Tavat, what is going on with them and their families. What do we think comes next? So I talked about endgame shit. Yes. Okay. The reason I think Ayato and even Ayaka are like more toward the end game is because I do think Ayato, along with D. Luke and Yelan and maybe Shingsho, have ties to the secret underground resistance against the Fatui. One, I just feel like he's sly enough that he's gonna litter, little finger his way into there. Also, I think either Yai is a part of it or she's siding with the Fatui. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like Depending on what the Fatui, aka Piero's number one goal is, it could go either way. I mean, Yaimiko did hand the Gnosis over and sort of made it seem like it was her only choice, right? No, it wasn't her only choice because she went to meet Skara with that. She didn't just, you know, I have it on me all the time. No, that was at the shrine. She had it on her. She was going to do it anyway if we weren't there. Right. Also, she was way too cash about it. Like, she told us and she was like, yeah, I just, like, gave him the Gnosis. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? What did you do? And it it definitely goes into, like, a theory that the Archons are trying to separate themselves from Celestia. The Gnosis are all a bunch of BS. Nobody has any anymore and they're all fine. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What is it? We don't fucking know. It's a stupid chess piece. It's it's Mm -hmm. a stupid little thingy. That you rip out of your chest dramatically. But there's a possibility of either Ayato is... Well, he can't be siding with the Fatui because he beat the fuck out of them in that one fucking trailer. I really think he might even have or might know D. Luke for sure. And Ayato has been kind of everywhere because Ayaka has kind of been running the scenes while he's in the shadows. So he could be anywhere he could be sleuthing in leeway or monstat and like helping d luke or helping yelan to me it just makes more sense and i feel like as we get into fontaine we're going to have more ayaka being maybe the introduction of this theory because they gave her a very parisian outfit Mm -hmm. we have a straw hat we have the puffy dress either she's going to monstat or she's going to Fontaine. And I really do think it's Fontaine. Why did I think that in that actual story, the person who made it was from Fontaine? Actually, yeah, no, it was. No, because it was the it was the book based in Fontaine, correct? Well, so there were two events going on in Inazuma at the same time, and they put the wrong ballot out for voting when they were trying to vote basically on what Ayaka should wear because she was like representing the Yashihiro Commission. She was like a big representative in the sword fighting event and she had like a fancy title. I don't remember what it is. And they mixed up the ballots and they accidentally had them voting on like basically cosplays. And she what they won her wearing this look from a book, from a Fontaine book. And they decided to adjust an already created costume that was based off the main character of said book to fit her instead. Mm, Okay. So I'm not really sure if they ever mention who created it. And the thing is, they leave it very open-ended because Ayaka, we know why she wore it, right? We don't know if she's going to go to Fontaine because she is technically wearing it as a cosplay in the end. Yeah, but you know how the the game likes to hint when it's new new regions are going to come out. Yeah. It's like... 
there's gotta be some they have a very similar thing to what maxis does for the sims and that's is we'll put weird hints and shit in descriptions of items and or just give you some items that reference to upcoming content they love just having like different characters just randomly talk about the other region too like i remember before sumeru came out i was like if one more freaking person tells me that they either went to Sumeru, that they're from Sumeru. I was like, oh my god, stop it. <laughs> and now Fontaine is taking over that right. little area. Feeny, I have a th- I have a theory that'll make you really happy. Ooh. You won't have to be the one to say it, but I think what, I mean, I don't know if it will happen, but I think what would be cool if it did happen is at the end of the game, I think Ayato should die and Ayaka <laughs> becomes Thank the head you. of the of the Yashiro Commission. Just like her mom? Well, like her mom did for the, the month that she lived. No, wait, did her mom? I don't think, I think it went straight to Ayato. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well. Died. Oh, did it? Okay. Because I think the mom was already sickly. But maybe, you know, uh, if it went to a Yaka, it could be like, let the ladies do it. You know, the yeah. men aren't doing a good job. They've had 300 years and you still haven't cleared up your name. And everybody already loves Ayaka. Yeah, so. she could do it in like a month. She's like the second uh, Mahoyo mascot. I would love, though, if that does happen, if like you go to the Komori tea house and you, you find a Yato's ghost there. No. <laughs> that way she can like go get advice from her brother like he's always going to be at the tea house after that it's forever there she steals toma from him oh uh, wouldn't that be heartbreaking if toma would like go to the tea house every day to see his ghost? <gasps> you know but then he would never well he would always see him and then he could sign the contract and then they could be together no i will say i i do think hayato is gonna be very involved toward the end i do think that he's in that secret spy organization that d luke is involved in and i think it makes sense since he is in charge of a secret band of ninjas and he is a little shady and a little more in the shadows when it comes to business i also think that since he hasn't been in as many story quests as Ayaka, like during the whole sword event where she does get her Fontaine style dress, we don't really see Ayato, if I remember correctly, or we see him for like a hot second. So he's definitely out and about doing stuff. I don't think he's necessarily staying in Inazuma. Wait, he was part of the yokai event with Yaimiko at the end, right? Am I? Was that a fever dream? No, he was, but I wasn't talking about that event. Yeah, the most recent one was the oh, was the sword one. I'm getting so confused. Wait, I'm getting really confused about my events because I'm like, is it the beetle? Is it the sword? Is 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 it the yokai? Oh my so god! So wait, so we think that so the spy network. We think we're thinking D Luke, Yelon, Ayato, or Yaimiko. But then. Who in Sumeru? Is it Alhatham? Is he the oh, Sumeru one? I think it's Sino. Sino, yeah. I could, I could see Dory. Dory's funding the whole fucking thing. I don't Ooh. like Dory enough for that. <laughs> yeah, unless you're paying Dory, I don't think she's got any time for you. <laughs> and she's probably involved because she's probably like selling them weapons and shit. Or if, Intel, if, yeah, yeah. If Alice asked her to do it, she would do it. Well, that's different. Like, she's very loyal to Alice, so... All the littles know Alice, except maybe Sayu. Does Chi-Chi know Alice? Oh, shit. I don't know. Does Diona know Alice? Yes. Because oh. Diona knows Klee. Diona and Klee are friends. That means nothing. <gasps> <laughs> it totally means everything. She's like, no. 
Alice abandoned her child in months that remember. Yeah, very true. Alice like was like, here you go. See ya. Well, I mean, she spent time with Barbara. <laughs> she said she helped yeah. Barbara become a, a idol while Cleve is out blowing up the western side of Monster. <laughs> yeah. And poor Mika had to remake the typography. She had her priorities straight because she knew <laughs> her daughter was a boss ass bitch. And she knew like, she had nothing to worry she's... about terrified of Klee. She's yeah. like, whatever you want, baby. Whatever. She's like, I've raised a psychopath. Yeah. Just like, can I just get away from this little Ted Bundy in the making? Klee's like, I can do this right, mom. Yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. That's why Alice is never around. She's just terrified of her daughter. <laughs> I I will say, though, Albedo has a voice line during the um, the Wind and Win event in Mondstadt that recently happened where we were learning a lot about Razor's background. And we find out that Albedo has been, like, letting the Knights of Avonia sell his paintings to pay back all the damages that not Klee has done, but Alice has done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and he like does mother like daughter and yeah. it, i believe in his voice line about clee he does say something like clee knows how to make a mess but it's nothing compared to her mother <laughs> i can't wait to meet alice i hope she's playable oh that she's playable she better be yeah she better be uh, i would like to also throw out that i could totally see kaya being involved in the secret organization you know after the hidden strife event we definitely yeah. found out that kaya was more aware of what diluc was doing during his time away mm, that's true at first i was gonna disagree with you but you're you're totally right Listen, I know my boys. <laughs> I know my three. I apologize. My Ragnar boys and my Albedo. <laughs> I got them three unlock and key. I'm getting there with Shing Shou and Shang Yun. I need to know a lot about them. But uh and Hinyari. Uh, but anyway. Oh my goodness. <laughs> on that note, I do believe that's all the time that we do have for today. Thank you, travelers, who are coming down this crazy path with us. I, we ended up with Alice. I, she is the third Kamisato sibling. <laughs> <laughs> She mm-hmm. can be their their mom since their parents are dead. Yeah, I Aww. mean, she does adopt everyone. Yeah. We do know that. So it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. But travelers, let us know what you thought of today's episode and more by following us on Instagram, Tales of Tavat Pod, or following us on Twitter, Tales of Tavat, where you can let us know who you think's in the secret organization, if you like wet socks, if you think Ayato is trying to poison Toma so he can take care of him, whatever <laughs> it is. We want to know what you think. Additionally, you can shoot us an email at Tales of Tavat Pod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this week's episode and let us know of topics here about. In the future. And lastly, we are on Kofi, not Kofi, as I have many times mistaken it for. And if you're interested, you could buy us a cup of coffee on there. And you do not have to do it, but a few travelers have asked us about it. We wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. Coffees will fund endless conspiracy nights, bickering, and podcast recordings. So we definitely appreciate any coffee you can give, or tea, or hot chocolate. I'm more of a soda gal. That being said, travelers, next week we're going to be talking about Mona Majestus, the astrologist. Otherwise, travelers, safe journeys. We'll see you next week. Bye, Tea House Nerd.